Dividing the Promised Land Not content with having slain the five Amorite kings and crushing their armies, Joshua next attacked and destroyed each of their cities, killing every person found there. News of the terrible bloodshed spread immediately through Canaan, and with hearts full of dread, the Canaanite chiefs realized that no one stood a chance of being spared. Their choice was either to sit back and wait for their people to be slaughtered or to come out and fight. So under the leadership of King Jaban of Hazar, the rulers mobilized their armies, hundreds of thousands of troops, horses, and chariots gathered in a massive camp at Merom. The soldiers were all in full battle dress and they were all very determined to stop the Israelites from taking their homeland. Report after report reached Joshua's ears of the vast army preparing to attack. But God reassured him. Have no fear, he told Joshua. For I will deliver all these troops slain into your hands. Tomorrow you will kill their horses and burn their chariots. Joshua trusted the Lord and immediately led the Israelites into an attack. The battle was more savage and bloody than any either army had suffered before. When the ruthless king killing was eventually over, the bodies littering the battlefield were Canaanite. As God had vowed, they lay next to the corpses of their horses and the smoking wrecks of their once glorious chariots. The Israelites had won their mightiest victory yet. For several more years, Joshua was to continue waging wars against the Canaanite tribes, conquering more and more of the promised land until, at last, most of the country was theirs. Then the fighting ceased. It was time to divide up the land among the 12 Israelite tribes. The boldest Israelite elders made haste to lay claim to the areas they wanted for their families or that they thought was rightfully theirs. One of the first to get his allocation was Caleb, Moses' courageous scout and now an old man of 85, who finally received the reward the Lord had promised him for having faith in God's order to invade Canaan when everyone else was faint-hearted. Joshua granted him the great city of Hebron and the surrounding hill country. However, not everyone was sure about which part of the beautiful country they wanted to live in. Seven tribes simply couldn't decide, so after sending three men from each to survey the land, Joshua divided it up into seven parts and the tribe chiefs drew lots for their new homes. The only tribe not to be given an entire area was the Levites, whom God had long ago chosen to be his priests. They were given 48 cities in different parts of the country, so they could lead the Israelites in worship. The tabernacle itself was set up permanently in the city of Shiloh, at the heart of the Promised Land. Finally, the Lord told Joshua to appoint six cities as cities of refuge. In these places, 
people accused of crimes would be protected against those wanting to take their revenge, and they would be assured a fair trial. With the country organized, the Israelites began to move their, into their allocated areas, but it wasn't always easy. Handfuls of Canaanite people were st still stubbornly remained in some far-flung places, and the powerful Israelite families had to either drive them off their land or force them into slavery. The Reubenites and Gadites fell into particular trouble, along with half the tribe of Manasseh they were given by Joshua. Some of the first lands of the Israelites had conquered. The plains of Moab, however, these lay on the far side of the Jordan. These tribes were concerned that the river acted as a boundary dividing them from the rest of the Israelites. As the other ten tribes settled into their own areas, they were appalled to hear that the Reubenites and Gadites were building a huge altar on the banks of the Jordan, thinking that they were setting themselves up as priests or even turning to other gods. The Levite high priest, Phinehas, and the chiefs of the other tribes raced to stop them. The Reubenites and the Gadites were astonished to find that such an important committee had traveled so far to see them. Whatever are you doing? The priests and chiefs asked the puzzled people. Hasn't God's wrath in the past taught you a lesson? If you offend God's command, he will strike down not only you, but all of us. With shock, the Reubenites and Gadites realized what the Israelites thought they were up to. The Lord knows we weren't building an altar to any other god, they gasped in horror. We are just worried because we are going over the river. We fear that your descendants might see our lands as outside Israel's border and turn against our descendants. So we have built a copy of the altar of the Lord, which now stands at Shiloh, to stand as proof that we follow the same God. The priests and elders were highly relieved and left the Reubenites and Gadites to settle into their lands in peace. And so it happened that the Israelites at last took possession of the promised land, just as God promised. About the story. The Israelites conquer most of the promised land. When each tribe is given its own area, the Reubenite and Gadites are concerned for that for their land is separated from the rest of Israel by the Jordan. They build an altar to bind themselves to the rest of Israel through their faith. 